Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast, another T. Watson TR edition of the pod. It is a Tuesday, October the 18th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. And Tim, man, we are just hurtling towards the holiday season, which leads me to ask your you and your folks are pretty much Christmas tree and Christmas decoration people, right? So are we officially on countdown at Casa de Watts for the uh, for the festive looks? Lord, I hope not. I think that usually starts a little closer to Thanksgiving. So I was going to say, I hope so. But they, they I mean, how many Christmas trees again will you have in the house? You know, six. I think it was six. Might have oh, been dropped to five last year. Somebody might have got cut. <laughs> She might have eliminated her her favorite list down the bottom. Somebody put a tree on waivers. Yeah, something's like that. I feel like something didn't get put up. Maybe I'm wrong though. There's a lot though. I've stopped counting. Yeah, I I I, I think Christmas trees need buyouts. You know, kind of like these coaches. You know, get a little get a little go away package if you're if you're making changes there. But we got a lot to talk about on the podcast today. Obviously, in the wake of Alabama's first loss of the 2022 college football season, a 52 to 29 defeat at the hands of the rival Tennessee Volunteers. You know, Tim, we talked about last week. We kind of put into perspective our personal lives and kind of where we were the last time uh Alabama lost to Tennessee on the football field and uh now I guess we'll have to maybe we'll do this 15 years from now, you know, just start another streak, maybe even in the SEC championship game. Who knows? Yeah, that game was crazy. You know, we talked about it on the podcast last week is that like basically every Alabama loss for an Alabama fan, it reaches in your soul and just drags you every bit of of life you've got out of you for, you know, 12, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours. I mean, it's always the roughest. We saw that Saturday. I mean, you can you can pick five plays, three plays, one play several times in that game that that dictated the outcome. But that was about as bad as it gets. It was kind of similar to, you know, um, Texas A&M last year. You know, they they were behind, caught up, got ahead, lost the lead, had chances to win, and then you know the the late drive. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. I mean, when you look at, it, I think Saban touched on it the best. There really was just like. There's no one person to blame for this. There's a lot of blame to go around um, at, at every level. I mean, you got definitely the referees played a part with some questionable calls. Um, you know, the special teams, you know, again, you know, we're not used to seeing special teams mistakes or Will Riker, Mick, Riker missing a field goal, which happened. The easy way that Tennessee had a couple of plays to get down there in field goal range. You know, I say, you know, Pete, you know, I know during the game, I'm glad people slowed down a little bit because a lot of people were trying to blame, you know, Helms or, you know, Malachi Moore, whoever was running with Hyatt. That's that's not a matchup that's going to work at any level. That's not on them. They simply can't run with them. I mean, that's not the situation in the NFL. There's a reason you don't see, you know, Landon Collins on Jamar Chase, you know, just for an example. There's a reason that's not a matchup. It's hard enough to defend them 
as a cornerback. So, I mean, mm-hmm. guys with the more flexibility, more speed, but, to, and that guy's a literal jackrabbit. I mean, that guy's definitely one of the fastest guys in the SEC. And to have, to have it happen once is like, okay, we got to learn from it, but to happen again, then again, then again, again, that's what uh, was hard to swallow. Yeah. And it, it wasn't high at a year ago, but there were similar plays in the game in Tuscaloosa. So, you're right. I don't care if you're Daniel Wright, you're DeMarco Hellams. If you're a safety or even a sub-package defensive back, running with a guy like Hyatt is uh, almost an impossible task. And you hit on it. It was another one of these Alabama games. Arkansas was like this, too. It seemed like every quarter there was a play you could point to and say, wow, if Alabama loses this game, this is where it kind of originated. This is where it uh, began. Uh, but, man. Bryce Young, just incredible, overcoming so much in this game, especially from a penalty perspective, especially from an excessive hits perspective, I would go as far as to say. And, um, you know, I thought that the end of the game situation is another one. You talk about it from the defensive perspective. Offensively, uh, I know a lot of Alabama fans wanted to see more of the run game there. The, The truth of the matter is up to that point in the fourth quarter, it had been non effective, ineffective. Um, you know, I thought something and we get into games like this and, and we start as the farther we get along from them, the more of the things we hadn't thought about pop up. I think Josh Heupel not calling the timeout before the field goal worked out tremendously well for Tennessee and not just from a time management perspective, but also if you burn that timeout late, Sarkeesian did it in Austin and you, you go to, to burn it and Alabama still snaps the ball, Will Riker gets a practice kick there. Right. And and just kind of letting it happen, it put it all on that one kick. Could you imagine if Heupel had called that timeout right before the snap and then the ball snapped and he misses it wide right, Tim? I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yeah. in that kind of pressure situation because, I mean, the pressure for the Tennessee fans had to be immense. You know, and I saw people talking – I got to be honest, other than violence, I don't think there's any celebration that's off the table in a situation like that. <laughs> Obviously, I don't believe in, you know, some of the stuff I've heard. That's, you know, that's SEC stuff. Definitely, you know, you know, saying things to people or, or you know, some of this reports throwing stuff or spitting. Definitely, that's not cool. But celebrating, I mean, carrying the goalposts to the river and all that, I get it. Um, it's hard for Alabama fans, I think, to to really understand it because it's been a while since they've had a run like Tennessee just had and to win it in the fashion they did. I mean, I can't even imagine the emotions. I told several people, I really, that's one of the games you wish you really didn't have any connection to because if that would have been Tennessee, Florida or Georgia, Florida or Georgia, Tennessee, we, everybody would have loved that game. It'd have been the best game in the world to watch. It was so insane. But the one thing I'll say is like, I know we spent, you know, a couple of days, kind of focusing on the negative, but you look, there was a lot of positive Bryce, obviously. I mean, come on the guy. I mean, I think he's literally, I mean, it's, you know, you're always a, you know, you're always a slave to the, the current situation and the updated players that you're dealing with, but he's quickly, I think he's the best quarterback we've ever seen at Alabama. And I mean that on the Hills of Mac, on the Hills of Tua, mm-hmm. obviously Jalen and the old guys. I've never seen, he does things I've never seen anybody do the fake run to the right like a basketball player and then stop and plant knowing the whole time he was throwing it across the field on a huge play, spinning around. I mean, you know, he kept, you know, probably two or three uh, uh, um, 
I want to say say uh, sacks off the board himself. And safety on the bad snap that he kept alive and damn near completed it to Corey Brooks. The first time he did it in Arkansas. So this guy's got, you know, IQ, but also, you know, the things we haven't really focused on. Cameron Latou had a great game, caught some really tough. No, he had one little bit of a drop, kind of a tough pass, but he caught some really, he caught some darts from Bryce. The youngsters mm-hmm. stepped up, you know, especially Kobe Prentice. Uh, I think he what do you have nine catches, ten catches, nine catches, not a lot of yards, but for a guy that's not big, no right. more for his speed, he was tough, man. Absolutely. He took some shots and and he held on to the football. Yeah, JoJo Earl had a big one, and you had yeah. of course a bond with a couple of big ones, and and Ja'Cory Brooks. You know, I I know that one game he had the dropsies. Can't explain it. I mean, that stuff just happens in sports, but he's been really consistent for Alabama. In fact, I would like personally. I would like to see a little bit more of this group. I mean, I think Earl, you know, natural ball catchers or speed guys, be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Be or, or a good route runner. Yeah. You but know, that, that's, a, that's a problem they have, too. Yes, I think, you know, like Brooks. You saw Brooks work that, uh, that uh, um, pass interference in the end zone like a pro. That's a South Florida kid. He's been doing that at 7-on-7 seven seven his whole life. Yeah. He's working that end zone his whole life. So I would go with that. And I'd like to see a little more of Anari, Amari Nyblack, too. Just big athletic guys that can run. Um, you know, you know. And I he think- did he did get a start Saturday. It's kind of lost in everything. But he was out there to I open the game with Latou. Did he get one? I remember seeing him running pass patterns. But I don't remember seeing No, him. I don't think so. No. Yeah, I'd like to see that, that group out there. And, of course, hopefully Aaron Anderson gets back. Because I think at this stage – if you're still, if you're an upperclassman and you've been in that program for years, if you're still struggling with the basics, you know, maybe it's time, you know, Saban said nobody's entitled to a position. Well, I'd like to see that. I'd like yeah. to see guys get on the field and earn it. They played great. Jay, you know, Gibbs again, another great game. And, um, you know, overall, I mean, there was some, there was some good things. I mean, the defensive play, Dallas Turner, you know, not only, you know, picked it up. I mean, that ball bounced right. Just like a <laughs> bouncing ball to Dallas had a really good play, scored a touchdown um, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Marco Helms had a nice interception there in yeah. the third quarter on the overthrow from Hendon Hooker. Uh, DJ Dale had a sack. So really it was maybe some of the guys you weren't anticipating it. As, as much from, um, you know, Alabama stars, maybe uh, on the defensive side, you would like to seen at least some more production from those guys. But, you know, something else we do, we, we never credit the opponent enough. And that's not really what we're here to do. This is an Alabama podcast, but that that Tennessee offense, man, it's it's a problem. They're going to take shots. And, I, you know, Alabama knew that everybody knows that they're going to take shots. And they did. And they're going to find matchups. I mean, Josh Heupel is, a, is, is a definitely a good play caller. There was never any doubt about that, um, that he could do that. That's, you know, an, an under, you know, an underappreciated team. Probably, you know, I think with, you know, with Tennessee, they've seen a lot of emotions. They're definitely a beatable team. Alabama could have beat them several times. Pitt had chances to beat them. But also they're that team where, again, you know, pointing back, why do you think Heupel saved that timeout? Because he had confidence that if they missed it, we're going to go down here and get, get a field goal attempt. And he did it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a certain kind of – confidence with that team right now do i think they're as talented as alabama right now no do i think they're as talented as georgia right now no i don't i think josh heupel would admit that but they're going to be a fun team they're going to take shots they're going to throw the ball down the field but i get i get why the alabama fans were mad i get everything um that happened the slow start you know that's that's a repetitive theme and you know we touched on this 
Alabama's been living on the edge of this loss for several for several games. LSU last year was painful to watch. Auburn was painful. That's two losable games Alabama had. This is going back to last year. Now, flash forward this year, they've had Texas they could have lost, Texas A&M. So this is going to catch up with you. You can't keep thumping the ear you know, a fate, it's eventually going to bite you in your ass. And I think that's what happened. I think that, you know, it was some bad officiating, some calls were questionable calls. So, you know, a slow start, some mismatches that Tennessee used to their advantage. I think it was just too much for Alabama to overcome. 17 penalties? Now, yeah. I, I mean, even if you take off the pass interferences, they're still in double digits again in penalties. And wasn't it 15 the week before? Is that right? Fifteen at fifteen at Texas. Oh, Texas okay. uh, for sure. Uh, Texas A&M. I don't think it was quite that number, but yeah, that's a couple of road games, especially. And you go on the road, and you know that in front of one hundred thousand plus in places like DKR and uh, Neyland, that there's going to be some issues, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you saw some of that. You saw multiple false starts from the Alabama offense, but. Uh, again, there were some key moments, even in the first quarter, where penalties were absolutely killers. Ja'Cory Brooks probably ha- he has a 100-yard game if he doesn't lose a 28-yard reception there in the first quarter to a holding call. Yeah. And the bigger part of that was it ended up with Alabama backed up on its own end, getting a 33-yard punt out of James Burnup. And now Tennessee, with a 14-7 to lead, is on the doorstep once again. And before you know what happens, it's 21-7 in the first quarter. This is the hole and the different ways that Alabama dug for itself. There were several times that Alabama basically called a 20-second timeout against themselves where they had momentum, fumbled the Mm -hmm. punt. I mean, I don't don't know. I don't want to laugh, but I don't know what Robinson was thinking there. I think That's rat trap. He had yeah. to think it was my, – my biggest question to him isn't that he, he touched the ball. It's he tried to scoop and score. I mean, that's a – I would Here, Here's what I saw, too. You tell me. Go ahead. It, it looked like McKinstry was trying to deke the Tennessee punt team mm-hmm. by running up on it when he had no intention of touching it. And maybe he deke Q Robinson in the process. Maybe Q Robinson Thank thought he – I can't come up with anything else, Tim. I just think I just find it hard to believe the special team coach ever went through and said, "Listen, I know Kool Aid ever muffs a punt. I want you to scoop that bad boy up and take <laughs> it. It's your time to shine." I just don't think that. I think yeah. that was just you know I know he was trying to make a play caught up in the moment. And at yep. the end of the day, at the end of the day, I am probably a little bit soft. I mean, a lot of the fans are extremely hard on him. I get trying to make a play. I get wanting to impact the game. I get how bad that guy probably feels on that mistake. I mean, he obviously knew it was a mistake. Let's say and let him know it. Um, you know, but, it, you know, when you're looking at the big scheme, I mean, I see all this Alabama's, you know, change. This has happened the entire history of Saban. I don't know if fans remember from one year to the next. You know, every year, last year it was a Texas A&M game. It was very similar this year. Before they had Florida game was a carbon copy of that game. They ended up winning it. Um you know, there was the old Miss games back in the day, you know, in the 15, 16 years or seeing the Clemson. We've seen this game a lot. Next Saban's first undefeated year, they had to block 17 field goals to beat a 7-6 and six Lane Kiffin team at home. Alabama has these games. They're just painful to watch and they're painful to deal with. But it's a pretty consistent basis that they have these type of games they can lose. What What isn't consistent 
is it's three times in seven games. Yeah. Basically. There's a lot of this in proximity of one another, right? The last couple of years. Once, maybe twice a year. But now we're talking three and seven games. If you go back to the two Georgia games, Georgia and Auburn, I mean, it's, that's five times in 12 games if you count over Auburn. Florida last year. Yeah, Florida. You escaped, you know? So we're at a trend of it happening once or twice, which I think fans forget. I mean, I was arguing with one of my one of my best friends, who's a very smart guy. He completely forgot like the the Clemson game, where maybe the greatest defense ever had like thirty. You know, Clemson had five hundred fifty yards and thirty one first downs in that game. They're like, it never mm-hmm. happened with Kirby and Pruitt. I said it's always happened. It was very rare. For sure. I mean, it was, you know, maybe once a year, but it's always had. Well, it definitely happened with Boy, and that one off. Yeah. I mean, you come in and you have. That was a year pretty much. It took over during that season. Um, yeah. I, I guess think, it was 18. Yeah. I think, I, think it bad. I get it's just happening too much, and it does. I mean, it really takes that kind of bad luck, bad effort. Stuff like that, you know, against Alabama to actually lose a game, though. I mean, the good news is if you want to be that positive guy is they really, you know, at the end of the day, they still control their own destiny for the most part. I mean, if they beat Tennessee, they went out, beat Tennessee, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Alabama's going to get in, I feel. Um, USC. Yeah, the only thing, the thing where, yeah. The USC lost to Utah Saturday night. Um, Things happen. The thing that hurts Alabama the most is that they had a buffer if they win that game, I think, Saturday. Whereas if they go to Atlanta 12 and 0, they're in the college football playoff. That's, and that's what Georgia did last year. There's a, you're right. Yeah. There's a, Georgia went in last year 12 and 0, um, you know, and had that, you know, could lose and all that stuff. Well, you know, maybe this team's going to be better with their back against the wall. I mean, I'm certainly not ready to talk SEC championship game. I mean, they need to. Handle their business against Mississippi State. I think they just need a cleaner game. Mississippi State's a it's a good football team. They're a pretty heckle and jive team. Jerkle and Jerkle. Yeah, Jekyll and Jekyll. Yeah, I'm making up a duo. Hall and Oates. They uh, they're, <laughs> they're, their team is up and down, pretty consistent. Um, last week, Kentucky did a really good job. They gave up a lot of runs on the ground. Very even attack. Mississippi State, we know, is going to pass the football. Um, Alabama's had success against against Mike Leach and, and figuring that out. You know they're not going to run a lot, so, so maybe this is what they've uh, you know the doctors ordered because they still got to go to LSU and they still got to go to Ole Miss, who are two good opponents. I think Bama will be favored in both of those, but you know there's still some work to be done. And you know we said this early after Texas, they've got to clean up some things. They're not really yeah. cleaning it up. We're at week set. We're through seven games. And a lot of the things we saw at Texas, we're seeing here. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same things we're seeing here. And, you know, I want to enjoy this year of Bryce Young. You know, I want to enjoy this year. I mean, he's obviously going to be going pro next year. I don't see any way around that. I want to enjoy I want Alabama fans to enjoy it and realize what, you know, what a magician he's been. And Alabama's been very fortunate. They've had so much special to watch the last decade and to say that Bryce might be the most special that's a that's kind of absurd statement yeah as good as Alabama's been and as prolific as Alabama's been at the quarterback position really over the last six or seven years I don't remember a team being carried like Bryce carried that one Saturday now you could even maybe go back to last year and say well the Arkansas game he threw for 559 
But in that setting against that type of an opponent, uh, that's that's at the top of the list for me. And it also leads me to this with you. Um, because recruiting is such a big part of everything, you think about the, these two teams, Tennessee and Alabama, next year and try to envision what the quarterback situations are going to look like for both. Because Hooker's off to the NFL. We both believe, barring an injury or even with an injury, Bryce is likely off to the NFL uh, the game in Tuscaloosa next season, that'll that'll be interesting from the quarterback perspective for both teams. And I'm going to go ahead and guess Tennessee is all but assured of, of rolling a true freshman out there in a year's time. Yeah, I hope so. They've got, you know, that guy, I mean, personally, I think that's the number one quarterback in the nation, the, the, ten, Nico, the Tennessee commitment. Um, mm-hmm. He's been my favorite, at least anyways. I don't think it's particularly great quarterback class, uh, but it's a lot better than next year's. I think that's the reason Alabama's taken two. I mean, it's hard. I mean, we, you know, you do this every year, you know, with Tua leaves, what's going to happen after Tua leaves, when Mac leaves, what's going to happen after. I mean, Bryce, we forget, Bryce Young was not a proven commodity when Mac Jones left Tuscaloosa. I mean, we knew what he was. We knew what we thought he was. But we had seen him a hell of a lot less than we saw Tua. Remember, Tua was coming in and playing second halves, that, you know, at the same time of his stage. Matt, I mean, Bryce barely played, one, because it was an all-SEC schedule, and uh, two, it just there wasn't a lot, you know, there just wasn't, a, you know, how many times do we say, OK, now put Bryce in, let's get a look at him. And then he'd come mm-hmm. in with minutes left and hand the ball off. So, we, so we didn't really get a look at the guy until the, you know, until the Heisman season. OK, well, then that here, that's what I need from you right now, Tim. I need to be coached up. I need a motivational talk let's because go. I don't have the confidence level right now anyway and going from Bryce to his successor that I had with going from Mac to Bryce. So give me give me some reasons why I need to get my dauber up when I start I thinking the, about the successor to Bryce Young. Yeah, you know, I think I don't think Jalen Milrow is as bad as as, as his worst moments. Um I don't maybe I think he's probably closer to it at his best in his good moments. I don't think he's as bad as his bad moments, I should say. So I still think there's some future there. I definitely think there's some packages there. I would say there's a little bit of, of uh, you know, I'd say there's a little bit of Hendon Hooker and Jalen Milrow. So mm-hmm. if you're in the right spot, uh, he does have a big arm. I know he's underthrown a couple passes, but he's got to, you know, watch this throws. They're going 102 miles an hour. You know, um, the guy's got an arm. He's an unbelievable athlete. He's a big, thick kid who can take that pounding. And also you got Ty Simpson, who I've, I have a lot of faith in, you know, a, a full year in the system. Um, learning that system is very important, you know, getting it under there. He's a coach's kid, got this, this skill set. Now he's probably more like Bryce than, than, uh, than uh, a Milrow for sure, because Ty can pull it down and run. Nobody really talks about his athleticism, but he's got that smoothness to him. He can run the ball. He's got to, he's going to have an understanding of the game. But again, you've got to get that experience. You don't know what you don't know. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what I feel Alabama's lost a little bit. Like we never really see the backups. We saw Tua a lot. We saw Tua put up better stats than Jalen in games he didn't start, but we don't really see that anymore. And so I don't know how Jalen or the backup is going to get better passing the ball in a field if they're not passing the ball when they get the opportunities. They come in, you know, up big, and then you just want to hand the ball off to, you know, Roy Dale Williams or whatever behind the second-team line or a mixture of the line. I just don't know how that's getting them better. I think you throw them out there. I don't think I don't think there's any foot off, you know, you know I don't want to still start easy, you know, 
no break theory, but I don't think you take your foot off the gas. I think you go out there and you play. If your offense is on the field, you run your offense. You don't have to take shots down the field, but you definitely can work on short, mid-range passes and get that guy feel for the game. He needs to feel that pressure. You know, he needs to feel that pressure from those guys. So, you know, I think Ty Simpson is going to be the guy in the future. Um, definitely going to be a good football player. Whether he beats out Jalen right away, I don't know. I know that the Bama staff likes Jalen. They uh, definitely felt he played with a lot of, you know, nervousness in his first start, and which is weird. You know, you I think people assume because you're playing at home, you're not nervous. I don't think that's the case. I think you can be nervous. I think you can be nervous at home, especially in front of your people. Maybe it's better to be where everybody hates you because then you got your back against the wall and um, you can go from there. But Alabama's got – They've proven they know what they're doing at the quarterback position. It's been a long time since you had any questions about quarterback. They've got, you know, two guys on campus, two guys committed, and, um, you know, they're, they're going to have it. We can't, we can't overlook the portal. You can't overlook. That was going to be my next question. Um, at what point do you consider that in the evaluation process? I guess always, but when it could possibly become – closer to reality than it is probably right now after the season, after next spring, what does it, when does the urgency crank up? If it does, I think with the portal, I think you just kind of see what's available. You know what I mean? You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know if a Jordan Addison's going to leave Pitt. You never know if a Gibbs is going to leave Georgia tech. So it's kind of like, you got to look at the shelves to see, you know, you can't go in, you know, with the transfer portal, you can't really go in anticipating what you're going to be able to, to, to go after you got to see what's on the shelves who's entered the portal who's unhappy and i mean hey weird situations happen i mean you look at caleb williams is at usc with right you know lincoln riley starting after you know that whole you know being in oklahoma the year before i mean i imagine and i don't know this at all but i imagine josh heupel would be a big name now tennessee's a good school uh, obviously i'm not diminishing to them but the guy is got a lot of connections to oklahoma if something happened with Venables, and it, I, I, you know, you give the, if you give Venables one year and fire him, I think that's, you know, that that's probably not the best direction you could go. But I'm saying there's cases where you could see people, musical chairs moving around, coaches leaving, mm-hmm. players leaving. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to play into that because I don't think anybody a year ago predicted Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams would be at USC right now. Would you say that it would probably require the availability of a slam dunk like a Caleb yeah, Williams yeah, for Alabama yeah. to go there. They're yeah. not going to go there just to bring in another guy to compete. If it was Jackson Dart, I don't think they would go there. Or Spencer Rattler, right? They, yeah, they probably think, stick with the guys they've got. I mean, I would hope that, yeah, I mean, this is, this is smart coaching staff when it comes to recruiting in their roster. Mm-hmm. I think it was going to be as simple as, is this guy better? Can this guy compete? You know, he doesn't have to be a starter. But he damn sure has to, you know, should be pushing the starter to get better. So I think that's it. I mean, if you get a guy, you know, like you said, it just depends. I mean, if you get, you know, there's a lot of guys that will hit the portal that Alabama won't be interested in. But if it is a guy, if it is a major name, I won't mention any names because next thing I know, everybody will be saying I predicted it. I didn't. But if it's a major name, if it's a big name guy, then I think Alabama will take a look. But you also got to factor in the ramifications of that quarterback positions, the hardest by far to manage. I mean, it's hard to manage a quarterback room because of the egos, the interest, the time parents put in it. Um, 
it's hard. It's hard in the NFL, but it's certainly hard in college. So do you take a portal guy and risk three of your four guys on campus transferring? I mean, that certainly could be, you know, something that happens. So I think all that just plays into it. Um, quarterback's different. It's not like the running back position. You got, you know, you got plenty, you know, you got plenty, you got 25, 30, 35 carries a game to pass the ball around if you want, hand the ball off. Same for the wide receiver position. So quarterback's very much a one-man, you know, one-man band. So we talk recruiting, and on the immediate horizon with Mississippi State visiting Tuscaloosa this weekend, another official visit weekend. And in terms of star status, maybe not a Keon Keeley, but man, still a very, very talented, albeit small group, set to visit Tuscaloosa, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, Keon obviously is a big-name prospect. When you look at talented guys – uh, Davin Hobbs from North Carolina, he's coming in for an official visit. Anybody on the message board, the round table, BOL message board knows I love Davin Hobbs. He's a big kid. I, you know, Bama offered him, um, hadn't really been talked about at the time, but his films, you know, fun guy to watch big guy recruited it as a tight end camped at Alabama. Sisters are big time basketball players. Most of them had him a lock for North Carolina. Uh, at the time, in fact, he was close to committing. They tried to get him to commit. Since that time, he's blown up. I mean, he's taken uh, – I think he visited Auburn. I know he visited North Carolina this summer. He visited Auburn. He's already been to Tennessee officially and took an unofficial this last weekend. So Alabama and Georgia are coming back-to-back. Um, well, the next two games, I think Georgia might have an off week. I can't remember. Bama's getting him this week for the Mississippi State game. Then Georgia's getting an official visit in early November, and he's going to make his decision. I think sometimes in November, Joe Cox has did a tremendous job with him. I think he knew him from his time in Charlotte, uh, big time prospect, a defensive lineman. Alabama's put together quietly a good defensive line class. Still has a chance to be great, you know. I, you know, Keon Keeley's still in that linebacker group, but you have him. You got this guy Jordan Hall coming in from Florida. You know, you know, top fifty type Jacksonville guy. Yeah, Jacksonville. You know, you know, he'd be, you know, he'd be. Uh, a guy that Alabama has been kind of quiet. Again, Joe Cox has got him. Ohio State's in there. I believe Georgia's in there pretty good. I've heard their name a lot. Um, at one point, Florida State was supposed to be in there. But he's a big guy. What I like about Jordan is he's already up to that 300-pound range. So he's going to be a guy that could come in physically and be ready to play as far as size goes if Alabama gets him. Now, I don't, don't know nearly as much about Jordan Hall. He's one I'm kind of waiting to see what happens after the visit and get a feel. Cause you know, a lot of guys will come into a Bama visit and we're not really talking about them. But then Alabama staff does such a good job with the official visit that they leave and Alabama definitely comes with a contender. So right now two officials, uh, both really good football players on the defensive line. Uh, I think we're sitting at defensive three defensive linemen, Hunter Osborne, Edric, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Jordan uh, Renard from Texas. So got three mm-hmm. defensive linemen. Committed, and there's still a lot of guys out there they're looking at. You know, James Smith is another one. They've got several guys they're looking at. So, trying to finish off a defensive line, they're going to lose some guys this year. So, it's a priority. Anything we need to know about Keeley here in the last week, or has it pretty much been status quo and just going to have to wait this one out a little bit? He stayed at home this week. I mean, it's been kind of interesting because. There was a lot of speculation that he decommitted. He just flipped to Alabama. I never really got that feel, but kids have been kind of quiet. Take Ohio State's in it. It sounds like it's Ohio State and Alabama's his top two. 
Uh, Alabama certainly did a good job and did everything they could there. There's a lot of dominoes still to fall. You got Damon Wilson, kind of that edge guy, you know, similar to Keeley. He's looking at Ohio State. I mean, Alabama's sort of out. He's looking at Ohio State. Georgia's got some rush in. So it's kind of like a domino effect, I think, where almost like quarterbacks, defensive ends are becoming quarterback, where I think that, you know, when you look at it, and I say edge rushers because Georgia's running a 3-4, Alabama's running a 3-4, but those guys that line up on the edge and rush the quarterback, I think a lot of those guys are in the same boat with the same schools looking for them. I don't think they all end up in the same school, obviously. So Mississippi State in town, in Tuscaloosa this weekend, man. It seems like, and I wrote about this yesterday, and what Saban said and what we think it means. Uh, it seems like Mississippi State is usually the opponent that follows an Alabama loss. It's because it's typically been the case, uh, really going back to Nick Saban's first year on the job and uh, even in, through last year, the, the the tide lost at Texas A&M very next week. Went to Starkville, Alabama, winners of 14 in a row in the series. The lone loss in the Saban era coming in that debut season with the Crimson Tide. And so, Tim, when you look at this Alabama team for this week, um, biggest concern, is it more psyche-related for you? Uh, is that helped by playing at home? Or is it just some of the inexplicable mistakes that have continued to hamper this team that – that you'd like to see cleaned up? Definitely the mistakes. I mean, it's, I mean, this is a team, they had 225 yards against Kentucky, looking at their box score. Everything was in the air. You know what's coming. You know, so first of all, get your defense, you know, lock it down, keep it in order. Because, you know, we're talking about all these games, but even Arkansas, you know, I don't mention it because it was a blowout. But, man, at 28 to 23, it did not feel it was, a blowout. Yeah, very competitive. And yeah. Again, that was a, you know, the punt was an issue. We had special teams there. I'd like to see the special teams cleaned up. I'd like to see the penalties cleaned up. For I think if those two things happen, Alabama's a hell of a lot better football team if they're just getting – you know, you're going to get penalties. You're going to get penalties. But four to five to six, I think that's about norm, right? You get a defensive hold. You get a false start. You get a hold because your quarterback's scrambling. You got a guy offside. Four to six range is about normal. 17, 15, 11, eight, even eight, that's not normal. It's got to be cleaned up. And if you do, you're going to be a much better football team. There's been Alabama football teams, don't get me wrong, that could get 17 penalties and still win by double digits. I just don't think this is that team. I think they need to be almost a a blue-collar team. I know that sounds crazy and dumb, all the four stars, all the five stars, Will Anderson, Bryce Young. I get it. I get the names. But I still think they need to be a blue-collar, down-in-the-dirt, bring-my-lunch-pail, go-to-work team. And if there's guys that aren't that, then move along and find somebody because there are people on the bench dying to do whatever it takes to get in there. So, Yeah, an emphasis on fundamental football. Right. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. that's where it starts. And as far as a Mike Leach coached Mississippi State team, Alabama has been devastatingly effective in the first two meetings with Leach as Mississippi State head coach, winning these last two matchups by a combined score of 90 to nine and not taking anything for granted, given some of the struggles we've seen for Alabama. But in terms of a matchup, Alabama can play a lot of zone on defense this week, keep it in front of them, should be able to get pressure on Will Rogers, which is three or four guys, shouldn't feel the need to bring an extra guy. And as we've seen in these previous two meetings with Leach, 
uh, hit the quarterback, get hits on the quarterback, and um, wait for him to throw you the football. I think it's five interceptions that Mississippi State has thrown in the last two games against Alabama. And this is definitely a defense, Tim, that the takeaways were a bright spot last week, especially Turner's touchdown off of one. But uh, it's definitely in the market for more and uh, an opportunity maybe for that cheetah package to show back up this week with the way Mississippi State plays in comparison to to Tennessee and, and get after this quarterback. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is the kind of game, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a chance to get, it's a get right game. It's a chance you're at home. You're going to have fans there. You know, you're going to have visitors there. You're going to have a ranked opponent coming in, uh, an SEC opponent at that. So you've got a chance to get right and a chance to, to, to show you're better than you were, maybe better than you were last week. Not saying this is an equal opponent, but also you have an off week coming right after. So there's a time to lick your wounds. There's a time to heal. There's a time to rest. There's a time to mentally get where you want to be for that final push. Uh, still got Auburn coming up. I think Auburn is a competitive team. That sounds crazy, but I watch them. They're competitive. They just can't get out of their own way. And then, of course, you have LSU and Ole Miss before that, too, too rough, uh, too tough a road game. So I think this is a game they're going to have to show us what they're, what they're made of. You know, tougher, think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Tougher road trip right now as you look at it for Alabama in November. LSU or Oxford the next week? It's interesting. I think Ole Miss, I think they're off, their defense is better than anybody's given them credit for, honestly. I mean, when I watch their games, I feel like their defense makes the plays that often – um, lead them to victory. I mean, their offense is obviously going to score. I mean, that kind of offense is going to score, but it's the defense to me that's been it's been better. Um, you know, of course they. I mean, they gave up Auburn did gouge. Auburn gassed them pretty good, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, it was. But it, that's not really Alabama's game, right? I um, mean, it's, it's now it happened quick. I mean, Ole Miss was mm-hmm. dominating that game, and they benched. Robbie Ashford, the starting quarterback, and he came back back to back seventy five and seventy six yard drives. Now most of it was Tank, Tank, uh, yeah, Hunter and Bigsby. Yeah, he's toting the he's toting the mail, but still, he came out there. There was a fired up team out there. I think that Ole Miss is probably tougher because there's a lot of shrapnel being discussed during the week, Lane Kiffin, Alabama, and all that stuff. But LSU to me probably still the toughest place to play. Brian Kelly's running an NFL team. They're up some weeks. There's some down. I think they're pretty that much big win at Florida. Yeah, yeah that was a, that was a, it was a dominating performance. Hey, Daniels is better than I thought he was going to be, Tim. If I'm being honest, and I had I, him about third in that pecking order for their quarterback situation, and he's and, he's and, been the guy, and he's getting better. At times, I think he's fourth in that pecking order. He does some football <laughs> things, and then he has really good football plays. It's kind of his mo at Arizona State. Oh yeah, the consistency, the inconsistency. Uh, but this past week, I think there were six for six touchdown drives to start the game. Mm-hmm. And got seventh possession in the uh, in the fourth quarter, which is absurd. <laughs> it's absolutely- he was fortunate. He threw a pick in the fourth quarter Saturday night that I think a, a penalty overturned um, and, and helped LSU, I believe, finish that game with a field goal. He, he was fortunate, but um, – yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be – uh, we, we keep talking about the schedule and, and how October was going to be sort of a defining stretch, and it is. Uh, but, boy, after the bye week, November's not going to be uh, not going to be easy, I don't think. 
uh, we know this four game stretch was going to be rough. I mean, we know, you know what you're getting into and, you know, every year, um, you know, every year that you, you know, you, you have that game where you're kind of, you know, again, last year was a Texas A&M game. They made a run, they pulled it together. You just want to see this team. I think you want to, as an Alabama fan, I don't think you want Bryce not to be successful. And I'm talking about the, the mm-hmm. record. I think everybody wants to see Bryce playing in the college football playoffs. Uh, obviously, Will Anderson, although he's already, you know, he got plenty of playing time his freshman, you know, his freshman year, the national championship year. So I think that's it. But um, also, we got basketball ready to kick off. Yeah, you uh, you excited about Chuck and Shaq and Kenny and the gang? It uh, looks like they got their they all got their extensions for 100 mil plus. I am excited about the NBA, but let's talk about Alabama first. They got yeah, let's do that. Let's I'll, do that. I know the NBA kicks off tonight, tips off tonight, but absolutely it does. I, the reason I brought up Alabama is they had their European tour. And I'm taking it right now. It was on 10 to 11 right. CC Network. Looking forward uh-huh. to that. They got a big commitment this week for Mohamed Diabate. Probably mm-hmm. that right. I probably missed a vowel in there somewhere, but a guy. You know, I, you know, he, we hear we keep hearing the herb comparisons. And just because you're left-handed don't mean you're, you're <laughs> like her. Well, I mean, it's sort of a natural thing. Sure. You Long hear. guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened with Sam Walters. They're comparing him to to her. But Walters is a, you know, he's an assassin outside the arc. No one's ever said that about Herb Jones. No. He no. shot this thing. Now, when you look at Mo, he's very similar. You know, he's from New York. He's an undersized power forward. Stop me if you've heard that before. Who's Who can facilitate the offense from the top of the key. That's Herb Jones. I just described him. He's a he's a bucket guy. He's a trash guy. He's going to live around the basket. He's going to get loose balls. He's going to defend. Um, he's bigger than Herb was, obviously, but he's going to be that guy that glue blue guy. collar points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rack him up. Yes, and he should be a multi year player, which is huge. Trying to infuse those guys together because you know you look at the roster and you know you know you're going to lose you know a couple of guys, but you know you know you're going to lose a guy. Like Brandon Miller, who's, you know, the sky's the limit. The pro I mean, guys, I mean, when you talk about him, all I hear is unbelievable the feedback I get on him. You know, you don't know about Burnett. You know, Quinterly's probably gone. But the thing, though, that the, the factor you you can't really factor in is what if Betty Ako blows up? What if mm-hmm. Jaden Bradley blows up? We've seen Alabama fans have seen this over the course of history going back to Antonio McDice. It doesn't take a lot. Noah Clowney's another 6'2", active guy near the basket. So there's a lot of factors here that you have to factor in. So you want some glue guys you want coming in. And if you look at this class, they got Mo coming in, Sam Walters, R.J. Johnson, David David Cosby. It's a lot of guys that have talent. They have certain roles, defined role. I mean, the shortest guy out there is 6'3", R.J. Johnson. And that dude's built just like Reggie Ragland was, who plays from the Huntsville area, Played basketball, except Reggie was more of a you know more of a power forward type. You'd probably get mad if I said that, but RJ's a guard. But you've got all these guys, good size program guys, meaning they're going to be in the program at least a couple of years, most likely. And then you hope to blend them in with the guys you've already got on campus. Hopefully, some of these guys will be back. You know, Jay and Bradley. You hope all of them don't blow up for the most part. But you know, you're going to lose a guy like Brandon Miller. I mean, I'm talking to people, and I mean, we saw him. He's jumping over human beings, breathing human beings in games. His practice has been unbelievable. The talk's been unbelievable. Uh, so you know you're going to lose a guy like that. But you're blending really, you know, 
really good, talented players with them that are program guys. And when you see these teams, most of these teams make a run. What did Gonzaga have in common? They had a bunch of transfers. They had a lot of older guys. When you look back at Davidson or George Washington or Alabama's team two years ago, they all have upperclassmen leadership in common, which is a huge benefit. Because how many times has John Calipari – had seven five stars and they didn't even make the final four. It's been a lot. Oh, and then beat St. Peter's. Yeah. yeah you just don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just don't have that time to gel. It's not about talent. It's not about going and running the gym at the YMCA. Any Kentucky team would do that all night. You'd be you would never get more than one game. But with college basketball, with the way it's going, I mean I think I read did Arkansas have double digit guy a definitely talented team, but I think they had double digits Guys on the on their roster now, new guys on the roster. A muscleman even before the portal era was a big transfer guy. So right. yeah, right. that so makes sense for Arkansas. I tell you what, if you can take, I mean, I know people sort of you know make fun of Calipari for not winning it more, but if you can take those guys and mold them into a you know Final Four championship team, you're you're a pretty good coach. Same for you know Musselman. I know Bama fans and some fans don't like him, but if you can take that many guys in one year and put them together on the floor, you know you you know you're a pretty good coach. But looking at the top twenty, you got Kentucky at four, Arkansas at ten, Tennessee at eleven, Auburn at fifteen, Alabama at twenty. And mm-hmm. basketball is definitely on the rise. I mean, it's there's a lot. You know, there's a lot. Bama's got Gonzaga coming up in Birmingham. I mean, there's a lot of excitement. When you look at this team, in fact, Alabama played two, three, and four, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky of this year. They played them last year. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with this basketball program. Yeah, Alabama just recently with a, uh, I guess, a secret scrimmage out at TCU. So, uh, you've got exhibition basketball coming up in a little over a week's time. And then, man, you get into that first week of November and it's going to be real. Nate Oates' basketball team. I think you make some great points, especially when you talk about program building in this era, the portal. You know, we get so caught up in the portal, and it is tremendous. But when you talk about your culture, you're still counting on your traditional recruiting classes, right, to to continue that and to build that. That's where that comes from, is from the guys like you've got committed right now, the four players. And R.J. Johnson, physically, he makes me think a little bit of Retno Basahan. I don't know. He's a big, thick kid. I mean, when you yeah. look at RJ, physical dude. I swear, you know, this is how tall. I mean, I I thought he was like Tim Hardaway size. You don't find guys that thick and wide. Remember, Tim Hardaway was just a little, you know, he was yeah. just much bigger. He's probably in that five ten, five eleven range, I'm guessing. So RJ's a big, you know, a big, you know, he's a he's a big kid. I mean, a lot of talent. So I'm excited about that. And like you said, the NBA starts tonight. I don't know how many people watch the NBA anymore. I know Braun and Steph right out the gate. You got the 76ers and the Celtics. The only thing mm-hmm. I missed this whole night is Ben Simmons. And, <laughs> I mean, seriously, Ben Simmons, if he doesn't end up in institutionalized, it is no. mentally tough because the guy – he can't throw a napkin at a trash can and it not hit the internet. Mm-hmm. This guy can't. There, I mean, if the guy takes a shot, and you know what? You would think if you just followed Twitter that Ben Simmons has never scored a basket because every miss he's ever had is a story, a gif, and a meme. It's unbelievable. 
I mean, seriously, I know all the problems. I know he said that. I know all that. But I'm telling you, they wait for Ben <laughs> to miss a shot <laughs> and shove it right there on you for it. So, um, guys, definitely going to have to be mentally tough this year. But, yeah, I'm excited. You got the Celtics tonight. You got the Lakers talking a little bit of trash against Golden State. You know, the the you know that Laker team, that, that Anthony Davis team, they've got the short championship like the Dodgers, but the long championships were the hard ones for these teams. Um, so they've got the, 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 the short season championship. So we're going to see if the Lakers actually can, uh, uh, will they trade Westbrook? Or are they going to keep this team together? I mean, we know exactly what Golden State is, um, you know, and how about that drama with Draymond punching his teammate? Yeah. And they, in the court, Draymond, we know you want to work it out. It's not a big deal. You didn't get buckled. No, the guy that punches the guy's always like, let's shake hands and be well, friends. You know, I guess it was pool, right? And uh, and the the Warriors went ahead and extended him. I don't think that's coming for uh, Draymond. My <laughs> problem with Draymond is he is talking trash nonstop. He's a loud, opinionated guy. So Jordan Poole talks a little trash and gets punched in the face. And they can yep. say, I mean, he went, and not only that, you don't Superman punch your friend in the face. You might. You wouldn't think so. You might. You might be in a bar parking lot. We're drunk, swinging, but it ain't me. Like, okay, I'm gonna take two steps. I'm gonna bounce off this fender, and I'm gonna hurl my body at Travis and punch him. That ain't (laughs) your friend. That and he also cussed. That doesn't reek of uh, brotherhood or fraternal interaction. Cussed out KD when he was there and like, oh, we're cool now. Yeah, but you're in Brooklyn. (laughs) I noticed (laughs) you're in Brooklyn. By the way, y'all so cool. Why are you in Brooklyn? Why are you not Golden State? So that's going to be interesting tonight. See that chemistry, and of course the Pelicans will start your team, yeah. the Pels. This is the Bol team. We're adopting. Okay, it. all right. Everybody that's a member, you're a Pelican. I thought there was some Grizzlies, you know, in the Bol fan base, but okay, yes. But the Pelicans will be fun. The Grizz are definitely a fun. Team. I'm about the Pels. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I like the Grizz, but but the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are pretty similar when you look at it. They got some vets they added. They got a lot of young talent. They're building around Ja. Hopefully Zion's healthy. He certainly looks fantastic. But mm-hmm. and then we got the playoffs. I mean, this is the time of the year. You got baseball. You're gonna have Yankees and uh, Guardians as they go by now. How about and uh, delayed Game Five coming up later today? Having to play today and tomorrow. Yeah. How about are yeah. the Guardians having to play today and mm-hmm. in Houston? So. Yep. You got today's game, you know, in New York. Even with those private planes these days, those charters, that's a that's a hell of a turnaround. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially for Cleveland, because I imagine Cleveland has to go home before they go to. I mean, surely they didn't. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, man. I don't know if they can, but surely they didn't bring enough underwear for this whole trip, right? Well, they got they got help. They got help to take care of a lot of that. Walmart, St. Louis. <laughs> they got targets in uh, H-Town if they need it. Hey, tied in the NFL, man. Charlie Potter of our staff always does a great job of that. That just dropped this morning on BOL. And as always, Charlie with plenty of Alabama guys to cover in the National Football League. And I guess as much as anything, Tim, a lot of talk about uh, returns to action, either what we saw last week with Brian Robinson coming back from the gunshot wound <laughs> to rush for 60 yards and a touchdown and uh, the commanders win over the bears last week. And then 
Uh, it looks like Tua is on track to to return to the field after the concussion there at Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. That whole situation has just been so irritating for me from the – I don't understand. And I said it then. I think I said it. How in the world is he grabbed and basically, you know, whiplash, whipped into the ground? He got a concussion. Not saying the guy did it intentionally, but it was a quarterback. How is it not a penalty? And then a week later, I see Tom Brady gently drop to the ground on yep. the play on a scale of 1 to 10, and his spoiled ass – is kicking the guy for having the – I mean, are you serious, dude? I mean, kicking a guy because he tackled you gently? Tom Brady has lost – Part-time Tommy. Part-time Tommy. Tom has yeah. lost three games, 50 pounds, and the hottest model in history. This part-timer and everything. This has not been a good good month, good 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 last six or eight weeks. And she still made more money than he did, by the but way. I understand. I mean, I'm not saying the guy tried to hurt too. I'm not saying that, but it was definitely pretty violent. And the way they protect quarterbacks, I've seen a, a lot, lot less called. And then you got it. He's, you know, there's all the rumors and all the talk about that. Then he's, you know, he's coming back. So um, it's good. I mean, you know who stood out to me and is having a great year. And I'm sure Quentin Williams is a dude. I was going to say it's tough for Alabama fans right now to watch these defensive linemen from Alabama and NFL because they would take one right now. Right. Alabama would take one of these. Give give Alabama one of these war daddies right now, Tim. One. Just one. Yeah, absolutely. Quentin. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. You said it. Quentin right now. Is there a better defensive lineman? Absolutely, there is not. I mean, Aaron Donald. Maybe Chris Jones of KC. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, but Quentin's right up there. Yeah, absolutely. That Quentin's so good that we forget about like Jonathan Allen with a sack and interception, a forced fumble and forced. Aaron Reed with the Packers. Yeah, I mean, there's these guys are all over the NFL. Paying three tackles a sack, a tackle for loss. Alvin Tomlinson. I mean, just one of these guys right now, Tim. How about, how about Rashawn Evans? I didn't know. Raekwon Davis. Just just Raekwon Davis. Yeah. How about yeah, Rashawn Rashawn? Evans? Is that is that rejuvenation there in Atlanta for him, Tim? You know, I watched I watched I knew he had a live game. I had no idea it was twelve tackles. Uh, I saw the force fumble. I mean, it's been it's been a uh it's been I mean they're peppered throughout. You know who's having a it's not a lot, but who's slowly looking like the guy we were hoping he'd be is Irv Smith. He's gently yeah. You know, he didn't have – he had four catches, only had – he had a touchdown. But he's gently working himself in there in that red zone to be a threat for the Vikings. Well, they finally got rid of Kyle Rudolph, right, a couple of years ago up there? What, was yeah. he in Minnesota, the tight end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there for a while. And then don't forget – He's been gone for a year or two, but, yeah, well, he was the guy was, forever. Earl was hurt, too. Mark Ingram ran the ball really well for the Saints. I mean, he had mm-hmm. some – I don't think he had – he had 46 yards here. Um, how about, you know, to me, the NFL, though – you got the Giants at five and one. You know, you got Xavier <laughs> over there. You got the ball. You got some Bama connections, and then you got the Jets at four and two. All the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh it's a wild year. You know, wild year for football. I mean, you had Pittsburgh beating Tampa Bay. I mean, it's just a lot of you know. You look at the slate now in the NFL. There's a lot of three and two and two and three games every week. You know, you know, in that range of the same very equal teams. And then of course we had the Bills. And we had the Chiefs, which was a uh, Super Bowl fill-in type game. Definitely a playoff. Great type, game. Type bad for you. But, yeah, two is going to be the story. I thought he was doing fine when he came in. Um, 
I don't know what to make of it. You know, the people, the first hit, they said it was a concussion. It wasn't a concussion. So we're kind of, you know, you go kind of back and forth on that. And then obviously the next week he was whipped and then he was held out and people are saying he can play. So, you know, I'm yeah. glad to see him back because I think the Dolphins are a pretty fun team, um, especially with him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, you ready to head into the mailbag? It's a light one this week, man. I think our uh, our pals there on the round table, they've been active. It's not like the board hasn't been just absolutely amped. But I think it just got shoved down the board so fast. I yeah, think. there's so much going on. Oh, that board's flipped. Yeah, that board, the round table's flying. Maybe next time we pin it. Um, let's get the yeah, get yeah we need to do that. All right, let's go. Zach underscore F. We can always count on Zach. We yeah. appreciate it. Question last week. According to Zach, we know Bill O'Brien is gone after this season, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't but know what, that to be true. Uh, I don't. Well, that's Zach says he knows that. Basically, he says we, but it's Zach saying yeah. it, not us, right? I don't know that to be true. I think. Uh, just I don't either. Breaking in here, I think that like, you know, it's hard to predict a guy like Nick Saban. And I don't actually think telling Nick Saban to fire anybody is a quick way to get him fired. I think it's probably the opposite. I think you actually make him dig in a little bit. He's very prideful. Yeah, guy. contrary to popular belief, he's not especially quick with the trigger. Now, guys move on, Yeah. Um, and sometimes he, it's a mutual know, separation. But There hasn't just, been a lot fired. You're right. Just straight up, yeah. So I wouldn't you're, say you're done. I don't, wanna, I don't want us on record saying for sure he's gone. No. Uh, but you think there's certainly a chance. You hear his name popping up all over. Two years, you know, Bill O'Brien's and you know an older, you know, over fifty. Two years of working, you know, at the pace well, they do could be hard on him. So I think there's a chance, but I'm not saying because I heard this about Pete Golden for four or five years. Yeah, he's and and I year. think I think I don't think he's ever came close to be and let go. Now Pete's had opportunities with other schools and he, and he, that he didn't take and Saban talked him out of, but I'm not sure. If, I'm not saying he's gone for sure. Yeah. I think some of this comes from, you know, Bill, I think it was in his preseason media availability made the comment that he promised Saban two years. And so some folks are taking that as so that's fair well, Two, yeah, he's we, doing two years yeah. and he's gone. Yeah. If he gets a better opportunity, he might. If not, he he might be around another yeah, year. Or just, as you said, Tim, he might just decide he wants to move on. I don't know. I want to go to the NFL, a different pace. Yeah. That. So I get what you're saying, Zach. I for sure am not – I would no. say a chance he moves on. I don't think necessarily Nick Saban's ex- unpleased with his performance. You know, I think the offense – I know it's struggled at times, but it's also been great at times. Um, Saban doesn't seem particularly frustrated with him. As far as the candidates do go, I don't, you know, I don't really know off the top of my head. Saban's offensive coordinator replacements have really came from all over, right? I mean, Lane. Yeah, and one thing I've learned is you you better start with some big names, right? I mean, you yeah. look at some of these guys. Bill O'Brien was a recent head coach in the National Football League. And he went out and got him. Sarkeesian, Mike Lane, Sarkeesian. All I mean, the former head coaches at the mm-hmm. office, not when Alabama got him, but all of those guys had been head coaches, including Loxley. And when Alabama got them, kind of coming off, you know, a, a career slip or, or getting fired or let go or, or leaving a place. So, yeah, you're right. You think you go for the big names. Um, I don't know what Alabama fans will talk about because I don't think it's Hugh Freeze. 
And I hope, <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. I think you freeze. Might be going against you freeze next year. You never know how some of these hey, jobs I'm might shake out. As far as offensive coordinator candidates, I think it's going to come down to who's available, who's let go. Uh, a lot of that stuff. I mean, there's some guys probably connected to the NFL that he could go to. Um, I will say I've found Saban to be kind of unpredictable. Um, you know, defensive coordinator we never had to worry about because it was Kirby forever. Then it was Pruitt. It was really easy. Then Pete came in basically out of the blue. You know, and Pete was working with Bo Davis. I think there was a connection there to Alabama. Pete came in kind of out of the blue um, and ended up defensive coordinator. Tosh, you know, was thrown in there. D- Derek Ansley didn't get the job. So there's some names there. If you're looking for defensive coordinator, Ansley might be a guy. You know, if 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 let me be clear, if there's a change, Glenn Schumann's always a popular name. And certainly you've got to be a pretty good defensive minded coach to work with Kirby Smart. So and I've heard nothing but good things. So there's a couple of names. It's hard to speculate this far out. I mean we're in the middle What about of- Pruitt? You know, Pruitt is going to be to me, I don't He's got to wrap up some loose ends, doesn't he? I just don't know how anybody can hire him until the NCAA. I mean, that that I think they could hire him. He's still but, in litigation with UT, I think, too. Yeah, so, so it's hard to say because, you know, I think – I'm not saying you can't hire him because, you know, a lot of people mention Bruce Pearl, but Bruce Pearl was hired at the very end of his show cause. So Auburn knew exactly what they were dealing with, and I think his coach show cause kept him from recruiting for like a couple of months. Does that sound right? Yeah. There wasn't a lot left, so I mean the, the 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 uncertainty is the thing I think is holding Pruitt hiring back the most, or the attempted hiring. I think it's the uncertainty because you know you don't know what the NCAA. You can get a one year show cause. It could have been time served. It could be a twenty year show cause. I mean, it could be. There's no telling exactly what they're getting. So I think the uncertainty is what hurts Jeremy Pruitt with other programs. Although I think he would certainly be interested in coming back. To Alabama. I mean, the truth is Tennessee doesn't even have their sanctions yet. So mm-hmm. we don't know what to, if Tennessee gets nothing, it's going to be hard for me to figure, to think that Jeremy Pruitt gets, you know, heavy slap, you know, you know, a heavy, heavy fine, a heavy penalty. But well, not, Tennessee, nothing says Tennessee is trying to not pay Jeremy Pruitt, like going online to ask fans to pay for your goalpost after yeah. your fan base tears him down. So yeah, kind of drew that correlation to Jeremy too. Yeah. In terms of him being able to get his money, I mean, maybe Pruitt, if he maybe if he agreed to take the cost of the goalposts out of his buyout, they would just you know, write a check for the rest. I, I don't know, Tim. Yeah. So there's a yeah. I mean, Pruitt's obviously going to be a big name out there, and also depends with you know you know where you know a lot's going to depend what Pete wants to do, what what yeah. even wants to do. The one thing I feel confident in saying is, in all this time, and we've covered him as well as anybody. Nick Saban's kind of unpredictable because he doesn't, you know, he's a man that, you know, it's like trying to figure out what, you know, Don Corleone was thinking. He didn't really tell anybody. Hey, yeah, the voices, the voices in his head are his own. That's his yeah, own voice. Yeah, That's it. I think when Don Corleone, just like Nick Saban, when they speak, it's time for action. There's no discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, hey, go get this guy or whatever. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't assume anything. I mean, it's college football. I mean, I think. You know, Bill O'Brien's name's certainly been tossed around with every head coaching job that's open. I think that will continue. And like you said, it could just be, you know, it's ran its course after two years. You know, probably a good experience for him. You know, certainly good on his resume uh, so he could move on. But I think the candidates are going to dictate because there's going to be a lot of college football movement 
And a lot of that, you know, if you're a if you're an athletic director and you're looking to hire, you're looking to hire offense. Let's be clear. I don't think there's many people going out no. and saying get the best defensive head coach right now. So because you're going to put, you know, offense is going to put them in the seats. Well, look at Tennessee right now. Tennessee defensively has given up 450 plus passing yards in two games this year. Florida and Alabama gave up 150 plus to a running back for Pitt and went three and zero in those three games because offensively they can they can go. Their defensive coordinators catching no heat. No, no, because the bottom line is the W's. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. So, um, yeah. So that so that would be that. No, no, you no doubt. Held back. This was your. You wanted to answer this question so. Bad. <laughs> you know, I don't know anything about the softball. No, I, right now I really don't either, and and I do. I, I like the softball, but B underscore Rich underscore asked thoughts on Bama softball after a couple of fall outings. I haven't seen any of the team. Uh, this fall, be rich, but just in sort of following along, uh, it was good to see a couple of shutouts of Georgia Tech here recently at Road Stadium. Warren Esman, the transfer from Michigan, complete game shutout in game one. So you like seeing that. You're not going to see, obviously, a lot of probably Montana fouls. Um, need to see more of Jayla Torrance and uh, some of the other pitchers that, that uh, Murph has, but you know, Allie Shipman does what she does. She had a home run in one of those games. And really this roster, when I look at it, just scanning it real quickly and in some thoughts, I mean, Bailey Downing, important piece coming back. Um, obviously, Fouts. Torrance is a, a depth provider in, in terms of the circle. Um, Ashley Prangy coming back for a, another season, the Ohio State transfer. That's huge. Allie Shipman, we talked about. Jenna Johnson. So, I think there are pieces, Faith Hensley coming in from Ball State as a transfer, but I still think there are still three or four spots in this lineup that are going to be interesting, very interesting to watch play out. Once you get past Dowling and um, Shipman and Prangy and and some of those Jenna Johnsons that you anticipate being very critical, uh, you still got some things to figure out there. For Murph. That does it for the mailbag, Tim. Uh, we always appreciate the input there on the roundtable, our premium message board at BamaOnline.com. Anything else before we get out of here? No, that's it. We're going to touch on Halloween, but we got so much going on right now. Yeah, the power rankings for candy. Have they changed hey, any for you? Know you? I want the mailbag next week. I want to hear some, some – uh, I want to discuss some Halloween movies. We always have that thread. We'll start it like a week out from Halloween, the best movies, and yeah. uh, and compare them because there was a new Halloween. I haven't actually seen the new Halloween movie, but a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. You know, the thing about horror movies really is it's really like the people that say like it's not realistic or it's stupid. Well, yes, it is stupid. The, that the, the dead corpse can't get up, put on clothes, a ski mask, grab a hot, you know, grab a machete and chase you around. But that's kind of the fun of it. If it could really happen. It damn sure would be fun to watch. What was the great car insurance commercial where they're hiding out, you know, and and they basically say, why would we go somewhere that's so much safer when we can be so somewhere that is so much more dangerous? And it's, you know, it's meant to be a parody, but it's actually in line, like you're saying, with a lot of horror movies in terms of goofy and, and not exactly brilliant. But, hey, 
The suspense I mean, is there. I say just watch that damn Dahmer series. You want some? You want a horror? You want a horror movie or a horror show? Just watch that damn Dahmer, Dahmer uh, on Netflix. One of the best threads in the history Jeez. of well. Although there was too much, there's a little bit too much arguing. But when my guy from New York Tide, I think it was, maybe NYC Tide said, "Dude, you got to let us know you're going. You, you can't give away spoilers." And then the the company <laughs> that followed. Oh gosh! The reaction was was gold, and I remember one of the guys. I don't know if it was tug in cheek or not, but what had me rolling laugh is one of the guys said they're in a in a thread about Jeffrey Dahmer. My guy said there's nobody worse in the world than someone who gives away spoilers, and I thought worse than Dahmer. <laughs> this is like the. <laughs> I, I, I like the thing is tug in cheek, and it 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 made me laugh. Google has been doing it for years I, at this point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But, yeah, we'll get into all that next week. We'll see you guys on the roundtable and, and enjoy your week this week. Yeah, yeah. Get it back together, and uh, we'll see what this Alabama football team does uh, against Mississippi State. We'll have you covered right there at BamaOnline.com. And, of course, you want to hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe, the roundtable. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the Bama online podcast, we certainly hope you would consider doing that. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would be greatly appreciated as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanks again for joining us right here on the Bama online podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.